We have arrived. We yep. have arrived. Your samples Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get fucked. If someone you knew had just woken up out of a coma, they have not seen a second of college football this year, assuming that they're very interested. They wake up from the coma and they're like, yo, what's going on in CFB? You know, we're, what is it? Third week in November? We'll be, we'll be the first thing that you would tell them the first storyline about the college football season. I think my thing would be Tennessee finally beat Bama, but Bama stinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, B- Bama easily could have four losses this year or something like, like that. It's just kind of funny. Like, honestly, when it happened, like, you know, still props to Tennessee. Like, Alabama is still a very talented football team, and that atmosphere at, in Neyland was just unbelievable. But, I mean, it's not the same Bama, and I feel like that's been a common theme on this pod with all of us talking, but it's kind of funny to see that when they finally do it, it's not even like a real like playoff contender. I mean, we've never had a two-loss team make the playoffs, so like they got to be out, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this season, LSU, I mean, we could get into that later, but I would say my, I, my original thing that I was going to say was that Marshall – came into South Bend and beat Notre Dame. But I was thinking back to like, I mean, that 2015 or 2016 year when Notre Dame went four and eight, like a lot of teams came into South Bend and beat Notre Dame. So if he's been in a coma for six years, then he's like, oh, it's, that's part, part for the course, right? Losing yeah. the bombs. Yeah. But my, my actual thing that I was going to say was there was at some point in time where a four and eight Northwestern team could have been playing in the big 10 championship. <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> if everything broke right and he would have been amazed. So yeah, I had the big, big 10 stinks. Gotcha. I had a lot. um, One somewhere like kind of funnier, like Tanner Morgan is still playing college football. Um, Bo Nix has a five to one touchdown to interception ratio. I think, I think the big one for me, if assuming they kind of, they fell into this, you know, hypothetical coma a couple weeks before the season, I'd probably say Texas A&M is three and seven because I think out of every team, obviously Bama's had their struggles and they're really only a couple of plays away of having like four losses. If you think back to the Texas and the, even the A&M game actually, but A&M was, I think they came into the season at four and they're, honestly one of the worst power five teams right now and they're reeling Jimbo's future looks ill and don't really know where that's headed. But I think, I think mine would probably be that A&M has seven losses here in the, in the third week of, of November, but it's a good one. Yeah. Interesting thought. Yeah. You said like hypothetical coma a couple (laughs) weeks before the season, like even when, um, a&M's been like not fantastic. They're still going like eight, like under Sumlin, they were still going like eight and four. You know what I mean? They were never the bottom, bottom tier of football teams like they are this year. Yeah. I mean, they're, they haven't really impressed in any game they've played, whether that was on either side of the ball. I know the defense was kind of the, the fight, unit the fighting to watch. Cashos. The fighting cashos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they they kind of need a, a overhaul at this point. I, I don't know how 
the boosters or the fan base can can reconcile a season where they might lose nine games. But uh, other than that, I think, you know, this is our first episode in two weeks. So we just got the rankings out last night or two nights ago, I should say. I think the best way to go about it is, you know, get out the bureaucracy that goes into the, the top four, the credentials that don't even really mean much and they're not really finite and they kind of just go who beach who are the four best teams in the country to you best four teams to me i think without a doubt we throw georgia ohio state and michigan i think they are by far cemented themselves as the top three best teams um and then you know this is where we get into to kind of best versus deserving you know I always wonder, like, I feel like every week I see, like, with the committee rankings coming out, they have, like, these quarrels about who should be ranked above who. And to them, I like to say, like, isn't that why we have these rankings versus the AP Top 25, where the AP Top 25 is more, okay, we're going to go zero loss, one loss, two loss, three loss. You know, they rank them pretty much in that order. Where we see with the playoff rankings, it's supposed to factor in, well, but they're a better team. Well, they took the second loss because they had a close loss to a great team. And that's where with these rankings, like I look at it and I'm glad they have LSU at six. I felt like LSU should have been. I think LSU right now is a better football team than USC. I do think, however, Tennessee is the fourth best team in the country Um, outside of just a astounding uh, performance by the Georgia defense at home, nonetheless. I mean, Athens is no easy place to play, much less against the number one team in the country. I think Tennessee is, is so dynamic on offense. I mean, they just – they are the fourth best team. I think they're better than TCU. I think they're better than LSU, clearly. They beat the brakes off them. And I think they're better than USC. How about you, Mark? Um, so it's interesting because I'm, I'm just running through, obviously, Georgia, but I'm running through um, just the Big Ten, the two Big Ten teams in my head. And I honestly, like Ohio State's fine, and they've been anointed like the number one or two team all season. But I, as a fo- overall football team, I think Michigan might be better. I think they got a better defense. I Less explosive, but a better line, better skeleton, I think. I mean, Ohio State has C.J. Stroud. That's why they've been anointed this insane team. It's not like they've been amazing and, like, beaten everybody by a million points or anything like that. So I think I would have to throw Michigan, but that's obviously pending the four. I don't I don't want to have I, – I guess I would have Tennessee over uh, Ohio State and then TCU. I mean, TCU has done nothing but – like th- this week, they were a touchdown dog to Texas. Every week, they're a dog if they just win every week. I know their defense is way on, on a different level than all these other teams. It's way, way worse. But Max Duggan is a stud, and they they can score points. Quentin Johnson's a beast too. So that's that's my ranking. Ohio State at five. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you that Michigan right now with – three months of work behind us is has a better resume and has been a better team through and through. Like you said, they've, they, I think have a better skeleton. I think they're more well-rounded, obviously the big disparity at the quarterback position, but that's going to happen with 
CJ Stroud and virtually any other team in the country. But the thing about Michigan was, as most Big Ten teams do, including when Ohio State is the best team in the country, is scrap it out, you know, whatever shit weather, whatever you want to throw in their Big Ten games. And so Michigan had a couple of those earlier on in the conference play. But I'd say the last four or five weeks, the, outside of, you know, starting with Maryland where they didn't look great, Maryland actually looked good, so I don't put that all on Michigan, and maybe a bad half against Indiana, they've pretty much dominated the rest of, of the Big Ten after that. And I'd say Michigan has a better resume. So I think Michigan and Georgia would be my one and two to this point through 10 weeks, 11 weeks. And I think my tune might've changed just because of how TCU won this Texas game. I think you see there are touchdown dogs. TCU clearly has a style of play that has shown it's, it's had in virtually every game where it's kind of like, okay, defense get, maybe get one stop offense and Max Duggan will keep you in it. Quentin Johnson will make a play and we'll have the, you know, more dynamic second half and come away with the win. It's and then they the get into an half, yeah. absolute dogfight with Texas, who's a very talented team, probably a top 10 talented team in the country. A dogfight, shit game. Offenses aren't looking good. Defense is dominating. And they come out and win that game. And that's a game that I don't think many people thought was a game TCU wanted to be in and could have won that game. I think that game is the type of script that Texas wanted because clearly teams struggle when you're just going back and forth with Max Duggan and they want it. And that impressed me very much. And I think I'd have to put TCU in my top four. And I, I still think I'm putting Tennessee. I think I'm putting TCU and Tennessee at three and four and Ohio state at five. I just, there's oh. there's something about this Ohio State team that just does not excite me at all. I don't know what it is. I maybe it's because I had such high it, expectations to watch them be so incredibly just gifted on offense, but I don't think I think Michigan wins this game and I I think this is just kind of a nothing season even though which is crazy to say being that they're 10 and 0, but yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State's great, and I like your take about expecting too much of them because I was definitely on that train as well, even you know as a huge Michigan fan. But they just don't excite me as much as I felt like they did in the past with like Fields or even last year. I mean, like like they seemed way like way better of a team going into Ann Arbor last year than I feel yeah. like they are at home. Um, I also just like, it's funny to me to sit here where like, obviously I think Michigan's a better team than Ohio state right now. I think they'll beat them. I've said that all season. And now you guys are starting to lean that way. I just find it funny that ESPN on all these rankings, just, they always say, oh, well, if Ohio state loses, they could get in. But if, but if Michigan mi loses, yeah. they, they, no, whoa, we can't do that. I'm like, whoa, what's the difference? There? That's what the By committee the way, was supposed to get rid of. And yeah, by the way, people keep talking about Michigan's junk schedule. Guess who's bowl eligible now? UConn. UConn's going to be playing in a fucking I bowl, wanted to get into right? that, dude. That so, was one of the – that might be the first stop? thing I tell someone if they woke up from a coma. 
And UConn Kansas is bowl or, eligible. In no, UConn in and Kansas are bowl eligible. I don't, you know, Michigan and Ohio State <laughs> play pretty much identical schedules outside of not, you know, with with the with the Big Ten. You know, we we got to play Penn State. We got to play each other. We got to play Michigan State. The only Those difference is really the Notre Dame ones. this year. Yeah, so so that's it. Where Notre Dame's been a great team. You know, they've been a good team all year, except for a few a few mix-ups. <laughs> but I, I I would be interested to see at the end of the season how many bowl eligible teams each team has played because I promise you it's going to be closer than you think. I mean, if you just factor out Hawaii and Colorado State, which I get it that Michigan elected to play another bad team instead of scheduling like a cool game. I mean, as a fan, I would have loved to see that didn't happen. But I, I mean, people kept throwing UConn in this group, and now they're all of a sudden they're going to be playing for a bowl. I mean, they could have a bowl win this year. And if we want to use a little bit of transitive property, um, and this, I mean, this is all satire, but Marshall just beat App State. App State beat Texas A&M. And uh, Texas A&M was two yards away from beating Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so we could go as far down that uh, that road as we want. So, wh- so what do you have to do? Do you have to square that or something with the two <laughs> yards? How, how does it work math? How does the math work? So basically um, – Notre Dame would be what four yards away from beating no I think you use the Pythagorean theorem honestly yeah the long side if you take a factorial and throw it in there yeah Uh, somehow they would have gone to overtime with Tennessee it's something with derivatives yeah just ask LeBron he could tell us I feel Um, like every every transitive property of college football somehow factors in like Troy Troy's like in there. Troy's somehow. always in it. Dude, they it's had a huge win this like... week. Huge win 10 to 9 over Army. Nice. That's massive. Dude, I think every every service academy game goes under too. Just keep that. 10 to 9. The totals are gonna be like 22 points. Just for sport, I looked up and compared Michigan and Ohio State schedules. You're pretty spot on with the the only exception is Notre Dame. And by the way, Michigan's playing a what still ranked Illinois team? Are they still ranked, or have they kind of fallen down? They're twenty-one, I believe. Uh, I don't know if they are. I don't know. Maybe that but was anyways, last week. No, they, they're probably week. unranked. Anyways, solid, decent football team that could be ranked by the end of the season. Could maybe. have been going into Definitely Ann Arbor playing. as a top fifteen team. Exactly. Exactly. Anyways. Michigan plays them, and I don't think Ohio State did. I mean, and looking on this, so I mean, if if by measurement they might be outside of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, right? probably pro- they probably so, have to be. So Michigan turned around and played them, and 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 they didn't. So honestly, like I think this is a lot closer than we seem to think here. Yet it just gets written off as so e- – I'm not saying it's not easy. I mean, again, very easy games to start off the year. Michigan beat a bowl-eligible UConn team 59-0, though. So that's all I'm going to say. There's been really nothing to – and this is where the history bias, the historically kind of bound just application from the committee and from the – the heads of college football just comes into play every single time is that Alabama and Ohio state get that benefit of and Clemson. Yeah. And Clemson for the most part, 
But I think Bama and OSU more than anyone is like, well, they can lose a game and they're them. So they, they would be in a, above these teams who lose a game. And you kind of, that's where the, it, it becomes so stupid to me because then the resume or the ranked wins, the strength of schedule, it all kind of gets thrown out the window yeah. because they just substitute that in with the name of the brand. Yeah. Or it's like, well, why, why should Ohio State be given this benefit? What have they done to assert themselves as a better team than Michigan this year? And I would say no. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a correct recently. answer. I mean, recently they've made the playoff more outside and they won it in 2014. But like they lost in the playoff to, to Clemson pretty bad. You know, that one year with, I can't remember who was, a, I think it was Lawrence, wasn't it? Yeah. They lost be. pretty bad. And I mean, they beat another talented uh, Clemson team, got to the finals. Uh, obviously, Trey Sermon went down. There was some uncertainty there, which I think it could have swayed the game. But, you know, I mean, they're a talented football team in a, in a blue blood, you know, brand name. But isn't it Michigan? I mean, it, Aren't they too? I don't get this notion where one team can take a loss in the same game to the to the inverse opponent, but the other team can't. Like that to me is just ludicrous. I can't believe they're getting away with saying it on live TV. <laughs> and the thing, the thing added to is, I agree hundred percent. But when when you start factoring in, oh, this team's a blue blood, and this team has been in it in the past, it takes rid of any sort of like math to the to this like thing that they that they have their model or whatever where they're factoring in strength of schedule they're factoring in like you said it that gets all thrown out so at that point it's just whoever the hell they want to pick you know what i mean it's yeah do they just random. admin override the numbers like the numbers <laughs> and, say like like dc you should be higher let me admin override and put escalated to older white guy that makes the decision yeah but in beach you mentioned like blue bloods like that shouldn't matter that michigan is a blue no. blood or Ohio State? If if it was fucking um, I don't know who sucks. Rutgers. If Rutgers was sitting at fucking eleven, if they got and 0, the resume. Going, like, it shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Like the TCU is getting dogged this year because they haven't been in it in the past, and it makes no sense. It it defeats the purpose of everything. And TCU now, has actually know. had an undefeated season and not gotten the bid in you know in the last. I think that was twenty twelve. Uh, or 2011, so about 10 years ago, undefeated season. I think it, it might have been the same year. 2015. It was 20, 2014 when Ohio State got in and won the national championship. They had a loss, and they put them in over undefeated TCU and undefeated Baylor, I think it yeah, was. Then the committee's like, well, that's why we had you know, Put them in, the lucky <laughs> right. bastards. Then they win a game. I don't know. Like, See, we got it right. I don't think there's any – I don't think anyone in this room is objecting to an undefeated TCU being in the playoff. I think what people, because at that point you're a, you've solidified. There's, I think there's two components here. One best teams, best four should play for it. Two deserving comes in. You can't leave out a 13 and 0 team. I mean, Chuck, you say this all the time with, with respect to Notre Dame, Notre Dame run. They usually play a pretty good schedule too. You run the table. You're in that. That has to be an understanding for every college football and real player, quick, coach, Beach, administration in America. When's the last time we saw an undefeated Big 12 champ? Oh, Oklahoma. Did they – was that what, was that with Kyler Baylor one year they went undefeated? I thought undefeated? they always lost the game. 
I feel like there's always, even and, when there's a Oklahoma powerhouse, gets the benefit of the doubt, and TCU's not this year. If they if they get tagged with the loss, I think like, they oh, are. They go. I think They're they done. are. But you have to understand what the committee does here. It's it's so strategic. So they put them in at four here, knowing that once Michigan or Ohio State loses, they will fall. And then TCU's got two. Like they they're in. I mean, I, I think if they lose a game, I think they're out. I mean, just looking at who I mean, is really a, a win over 15 K seven and three, assuming nine and three K State in the Big 12 championship enough for you to put 12 and one TCU in or thir- yeah, 12 and one at that point? Is that enough? Is that big enough bump for you? Or is that Oh, Ohio State slash Michigan eleven and one should get that nod. But that's and, where the better team thing comes into me. Yeah. Well, who do I think's a better team? Michigan Tennessee. or Ohio State? I think is a much better team than TCU. I think Tennessee's a better team than TCU. But, I think Tennessee's sitting pretty honestly. But they, you're factoring like Tennessee's their whole argument on getting in because now they're not playing for is that they beat an Alabama team that hasn't looked good like. That we've seen is pretty the broad. least no, impressive. No, Alabama that's not team. even it anymore. Look who's ranked ahead of them. They beat the brakes off LSU. TCU's not five. Who's five? No, Tennessee's I mean, I mean, five. Tennessee. LSU's six. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. So that's when you say Bama at eight, and like that's the new. That's like the measuring stick for their win. No, it's that they beat six and eight. Honestly, one LSU was on the road too, wasn't it? I think it was in Death Valley. And then they it beat was. Bama yeah, it was. business at home. And then their one blemish is losing to Georgia in Athens against the top defense in the country when you're trying to bring a fast-paced, gunslinging offense into Athens. I mean, it stalled. It didn't work. But does that mean TCU's – or, um, excuse me, Tennessee's now a bad football team? Does no. that diminish a win over six and eight? No, I certainly think that's why I feel like they're sitting pretty at five and assuming off what I heard – is TCU winning out, sliding in, Michigan or Ohio State getting the axing block, and then T- Tennessee sliding right in. The only one I could see making some noise is if LSU somehow beats Georgia. Okay, so here, here's, I think, one of the other teams that, and we've talked ad nauseum about how this season, everything, the race, the track, however you want to you know, kind of draw it out, has been widened, has been opened. And normally you kind of start a college football season. You got what? 130 division one teams. And really there's only like 10 teams that go into the season, really more like seven that have a chance to win a national championship. That's kind of been the college football world that we've lived in for the past 10 years or so this year it's expanded and it's been great. This team, and I, I still really can't wrap my head around it. I know there's an immediate answer to this, and I think this will come up in New York in a couple of weeks, but there's a team that looked like they were going to be a joke. Yeah, they could put up some points, but I think they have a legitimate path while controlling their own destiny here with a couple losses that actually has a chance to be in the top four, five, or six in a month's time. And that is the universe, University of North Carolina Tar Heels, dude. Yes. I they are nine and one up. with one loss being to Notre Dame, 
which it, see th- this, I still can't comprehend how they only have one loss and it's to a, a ranked Notre Dame team, an 18th ranked Notre Dame team. They have who, if I had a Heisman vote, maybe someday I will have a Heisman vote. If I get into politics, I could follow in Condoleezza Rice footsteps. I would give my vote to May. He would get my vote. I've, I've put, I've pulled up CJ Stroud, Bryce Young stats from last year. Drake, Drake may has three, possibly five games left, including an ACC championship and a bowl game. He could have a better season than both of them did last year. And if I think if Stroud wins that Michigan game, he might win it over Bryce young. I mean, he has been out of his mind this season. 70% 70% completion rate, 3,400 yards plus, 34 and three through the air. And it's flown under the radar because I think North Carolina has flown under the radar and everyone kind of wrote them off because they have a historically bad defense. But if if they beat Clemson and then win an ACC championship, you're looking at a 11-12 win, one loss to a ranked team, UNC team, you know? And we could and be looking at a lot of one-loss sitting at 13. Teams. I don't get that. How are they? They're behind three. Well, I mean, if you count Bama and LSU, you know, I feel like LSU is deserving of like Bama at eight is just like way too high to me. North Carolina is sitting at nine and one. And again, again, those people on ESPN doing the revealing show laughed them out. They laughed even at the thought of entertaining North Carolina. And I'm like, at what point are we now laughing out a team that, could be 12 and one with a win over your number nine team currently that you're valuing higher than them, you know? And their and, and uh, one losses to Notre Dame. How is, one how is point, North yeah, Carolina right. behind Penn State? They've <laughs> both lost, lost to Notre Dame. What is Oregon doing there still? Dude, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. At, at one point this season, but a month and a half ago, North Carolina had squeaked out a, an absurd all-time slugfest against App State. And then I they had got North Carolina sm- money line in that game, too. And then they oh, smoked, and then they got pretty much handled by a Notre Dame team that looked broken and had just lost to Marshall and looked like they could not do anything. And they got slammed by Notre Dame. I don't think – I think they ended up being uh, closer than it really looked, but Notre Dame dominated the game. And I mean, at that point in time, no one is, is, you know, North Carolina, whatever. So many teams don't even have to lose a game in this college football, you know, world that we live in. And you kind of just toss them out. They kind of go on the back burner because you're like, you just hone in on those couple of teams. And now you're looking at them with, in my opinion, the Heisman front runner, all things considered, he's on a not a nine and one team in the power five. And he's, looking at the chance to play in a New Year's New Year's Six Bowl, maybe a playoff game. And he's got better stats than CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, the two guys that it looked like we're going to be on a collision course this year, just like last year. I mean, I I could give two shits about the North Carolina football program, but God, it would act I would really enjoy if they went out and they make this a little more complicated. Yeah. I was I was going to pose the question is that, is that the greatest family in North Carolina history, the Mays? Over the future is, Lions draft pick. Is Drake, is Drake May a better Tar Heel than Michael Jordan? Is what everybody's wondering right now. 
Can he bring him a championship? Well, I bet you, I bet you North Carolina's never won a Heisman. There's no way. All right. Hey, Billy, fact check that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where, where's our guy? Right. We're still vetting. We're still vetting candidates for this position. Yeah, it's all extremely the, the, competitive. Are, yeah. All all yeah. 15 of our applicants have failed their preliminary drug screening. So, yeah. One even failed a criminal background check. So, yeah, but I kind of want to. I was kind of thinking we give them the benefit of the doubt, kind of like we give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt. Just do it I like think the committee. Because he's a blue blood candidate, he should be in the playoff, honestly. I think we should put him as our final four. Um, he definitely deserves it. So if you guys disagree, who who would you guys give your Heisman vote to at this point? Mart? I was going to say May, honestly. What about you, Beach? For me, the Heisman's so hard for me because it's not a statistician, statistician award. I mean, if that was the case, Bailey Zappi would have won it. I mean, that guy was broke Joe Burrow. He threw like 70 years. touchdowns. <laughs> he threw for like, like 6,000 yards. That guy statistically touchdowns. better season than Joe Burrow should have won the Heisman the next year, right? But no, he didn't because it's not an individual award. Yeah, but team Why success become, is there too for me. It's, it's all team success, but like you can't talk about it until it's all said and done. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson wasn't even in this conversation until he went off against Michigan and went off in the Big Ten Championship. And then it's like, damn, this guy should be in New York. Because you know why? America sees them. America does. Not your local average North Carolina fans and then avid college football fans like ourselves. But, like, to me, it's like, all right, who's playing the best football right now? I think – I, th- I mean, I think it's got to be Hooker or Corum to me. I mean, like, honestly, like, those are the two guys who are having, like, ridiculous, like, and winning and having cool – like, he- Hooker's got the cool moment where it's like he's having an unbelievable season, beat Bama, like, proved he was the dude. And, the first like, 40 year olds just been win on the a tear. Yeah, exactly. And, and Corum's just been on a tear. Like, Stroud, Ohio State's been a little underwhelming to me. Kind of thought he would just be like ridiculous this year. Bryce Young, obviously, Bama, very disappointing this year. Um, I thought Stetson Bennett would even be higher. Like after like one of these like first couple games of the season, this dude was scrambling. This dude was breaking tackles, throwing sidearms. Like I thought it was like shit, dude. This guy's gonna have like with this offense, they're gonna be an unbelievable. He's gonna be unbelievable. He's still sitting at like fifth, you know. I mean, Caleb Williams again, USC. A little underwhelming. Thought with Lincoln Riley, Addison, Williams, we would see a little more spark there. Underwhelming. That guy's sitting at like fourth in the odds. Drake Mays, you're Bailey Zappi this year. All the stats in the world, but I mean that just America. That's just what the committee just shows what they think of North Carolina. They put him at 13, so they're not like getting appreciation. Honestly, like all those other teams of those candidates we just talked about: Bennett, number one, Georgia; Stroud, number two; Corum, number three, Michigan. Hendon Hooker, number five, USC, Caleb Williams, number seven. I mean, they're, they're six rankings at least above, above North Carolina. So that's really just the no respect thing comes in. If they, if he like goes off against Clemson, I think he's invited to New York. I think he's invited to New York, but I don't think he's winning it unless like he somehow like squeaks his way into the playoff and who knows all hell breaks loose. The Heisman to me has always been an award where, some guy gets anointed like week three and he just wins it. That's where it, ha- it happens yeah. every year. Like Bry- Bryce Young kind of came out of nowhere, had a good couple of first weeks. Like, oh, Bryce Young. 
And Alabama I mean, he was good. He was good last year, but like, I mean, that certainly wasn't the top. Uh, one of the top end Heisman seasons we've ever seen. Just like he, no. he was anointed and he won. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that that seems to be the case. And Stroud has been anointed since week two. So I I, I mean, swear he's the bet he's the betting favorite by a long shot too. So I swear when I was younger, I thought the Heisman Award was like given to like a player who plays in. I thought you had to play in the championship. This war, like every year, like the Heisman Trophy winner was like playing in the championship or like in the mix for that. But like that, that is, I still think true though. And where you see, I mean, I remember breaking this down last year when we were having the Kenneth Walker discussion. I mean, I said very similar things along that line. Statement game against Michigan, slingshots up there. Team success is nowhere to be found. You just see people climb the ladder and can catch them it's it's like i mean it's the same thing is true for the college football rankings as it is for the heisman rankings like that extra game is your friend you know i mean it it is able to slingshot you i mean that's what kenny pickett did last year playing in the acc championship i mean they like kenneth walker was a heisman-esque candidate but like didn't have the big games state was a little underwhelming compared to some of the other teams in the big 10. Like that's just how it is. It's a, it's a team success award factored in with greatness out of a player. So Beach, I got to you, you. I was going to say you thought it was uh, somebody who played in the championship until you saw Colin Klein was a finalist. And then you're like, Oh no. Wait, yeah. And then I Jordan was like, Lynch. Yeah, cut it out. Yeah. So Jordan Lynch. NIU. I, got, I got a couple thoughts on this. One is I think because we have a more top heavy uh, field this year, I think there's more players that I, I don't think we've seen that. Like Mart, you said that anointment that happens. Like, I don't think anyone outside, I think the, probably the biggest Heisman moment of the season for anyone, any player was hooker going off against Alabama and beating them. But I think there's a lot yeah. of players that are still in the race that have games coming up that, can still be their Heisman moment. And I think that's what kind of changes the dynamic of this Heisman. Like what well, that was a, what a month into the season, Johnny Manziel had that play where he kind of fumbled and then backpedaled and that, that play you've seen a million times against Bama beats Bama and beating Bama puts you in the, whoever was the best player on the team that beat Alabama, you'll probably go to New York, you know, in the, over the last 10 years, that's, that's pretty true. Unless your name was Bo Wallace, but, um, I think that I think that changes things. So I think uh, a guy like May, if he goes and shoves down Clemson and and has a game like he's been having, you know, throws for, you know, 370 and four scores. And then you get, you know, because if they win that game, they will be if, if I think that they they beat Georgia Tech this week, assuming someone else above them, two teams above them lose. You know, they'll have to creep into that top eight. I think they have a I think he has a real shot to put on a show against a Clemson team where it's like, well, we can't ignore him anymore. You know, we can't just say, well, his team's not that great. Whatever. The other thing, I don't know. Did you guys see uh, there was some like beef on Instagram between like Hendon Hooker and like and the Georgia guys? And I just loved that to see actual college players clowning Hendon Hooker for being like 26 years old, because that's probably like every college football 
fan's favorite thing is to clown someone for having played for 15 years. And he had said something and like these Very Georgia players. Yeah, exactly. Tanner Morgan that I said earlier, it, they had like, he had commented something and they were all these Georgia players just were in the replies. Like, bro, ain't you 28, bro? Like what you still doing? Oh, like, what are you still doing here? And that, that I loved, but I think hooker still has, I think he has the clearest path. If Tennessee makes the playoff, I think he wins it to be honest. But I also think that CJ Stroud or Blake Corum can win the Heisman in the game coming up. So I think there's really, I think this is the deepest field we've seen this late into the season in terms of people that can actually win the Heisman. I mean, at this, at this time last year, there was two people at this time, three weeks ago last year, there was two people, you know what I'm saying? Now we have really like seven guys that can win it. I mean, I think it's Strouds to lose, to be honest, because I mean, they're favored to beat Michigan. So like, honestly, it is his to lose. They're going to beat Michigan, and he's going to have a great performance. He's going to fuck on whoever the brave Big Ten West sends out to Indianapolis, and he's probably going to win it, honestly. I mean, he was a, what, runner-up last year? Hooker just lacks that game. I mean, it, it, it like, left, I'm saying. Like, I don't know how great that memory is going to stick in people's minds of Hendon Hooker beating – like eighth ranked Alabama, you know, like, yeah, I, I really don't. I, I just it's think so, it's, not it's so funny that proximity up. proximity during the season, like is a metric. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> I, I think Drake may and um, Drake may and Corum have the most left to gain or for reasons, Chuck, you just explained perfectly. Um, you know, he keeps being the guy they, they run the table. They beat Clemson in, in great fashion with his full, this, athletic ability and quarterback ability on display. I think he's in New York. Uh, I think hookers in New York, but again, doesn't have that. I don't know with Caleb Williams. I really don't. I feel like every time I watch him, he does not look good. Yet every time I see him, people are telling me he's really good. And then Stetson Bennett. I mean, I don't know. Don't they play like Georgia tech week 12? I don't really know who they play this week. I think, they have LSU. They got LSU, which is a good team. I mean, but again, like I guess if he has a performance like Hooker did against LSU, maybe. But I, I just think it's kind of rounding up. Where just to kind of recap here, it is Stroud's to lose, in my opinion. He just he's controlling his own destiny for a fact. You know, I feel. Do you know how many touchdowns Blake Corum has this year, Beach? Uh, Seventeen. Right is, or eighteen? Is that your guess? Seventeen is my guess. I'll tell you this: he has three more rushing touchdowns than Bo Nix. Seventeen. Yeah, he does have seventeen. Yeah. You know, Bo Nix yeah, has fourteen fucking rushing touchdowns. Again, people are we're pushing this whole narrative for Bo Nix for Heisman. <laughs> Again, great stats. Bailey Zappi, great stats at Western Kentucky. You think he was sniffing New York? No. It's he also wasn't sniffing sniffing the top eight, though. If you yeah, win 10 oh, games, okay. like, like – so I heard um, on the Andy Staples, who has a great college football podcast. That's that's my listen of choice outside of Splitting Gaps podcast, of course. 
they kind of were breaking down based on history and based on how it's been graded and voted on in the past. Like one of the kind of, you know, get you in the door, like the wristband you need to get into the bar is being on a 10 win team. And I think we'll, we could possibly have seven guys, eight guys with that credential and great seasons, you know, Bailey Zappi, <laughs> yeah, he had the most maybe absurd season in all of just American football history. Literally the best. I mean, the best. And right? I, I believe me. I on that Western I don't... Kentucky team to cover in the bowl and they hit. So. <laughs> believe yeah, me. Yeah, believe me. I, I love when a, an outside guy gets a shot. Like when Jordan Lynch went to New York, not like outside of – you know, this being an NIU household. That's not a shot, though. That's not. That's not a shot. That that's a that's a respectful invite for having a good season on a team that no one gave a fuck about the entire year. That's what that is. They have one of those every year where it's like, yeah, y- y- you backed it up, and like you're kind of around. Like we'll we'll show some respect and invite you, but no one in their right mind thinks this guy is going to win. I mean, it's not even close. I mean, like like Hutchinson was that dude last year. Where it was like, okay, great football team, best player on the football team. He's having a really good year. He made some big plays and some big games. Let's extend him some courtesy. He, ma- he made a big play last week. He made a big play last week. So let's, let's get him yeah. there. Yeah. Ooh. That's, that's the number one Heisman credential. He made a big play last week. the Bears, too. He beat the yeah. Bears. Yeah, well, that's I mean, even, you know, you bring you – bring, Jordan Lynch in as kind of a courtesy because he had not a Bailey Zappi season, but the Jordan Lynch season where he ran for like 2000 and threw for three, whatever it was just absurd. Right. And he, he beat out Manziel that year in the voting in Manziel's second year after he won it. And so it's not like, it's not to say that you're, I think that's completely true beach. But I still do think some of these guys get respect from some of the voters. Like I, I bet you Condoleezza Rice voted for Jordan Lynch that year, and I Probably. bet I bet she gave her vote to she wrote in Bailey Zappi on her ballot, you know, two years ago. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I wish there, I wish, and if college football had a more defined way of doing things, I think we'd be in a better place. And I think the expanded playoff does that, which yeah. obviously we're leading You can get towards. those playmakers from there to actually go. Oh, conference think- championship, you're in. Conference championship, you're in. 11 games, you'd be – yeah, exactly. Just poop, 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 pop, pop. Just, uh, you're I in, you're do in. think Stroud, Hooker, and May are locks for New York, though. I do. I think those three – because Stroud's having too good of a season – Hooker did his thing and May is the statistician. So I, I think those three are locks for New York. I, I don't think Caleb Williams should be there. Can someone give me some numbers on Caleb Williams? I got to know what this guy is doing because everyone is trying to convince me he's really good. And I put so much money on them to beat Utah and he didn't even show up. I swear to God, they had a drive and it was horrible. Okay. So scored 41 points that game. So he's 10th in yards. He's third in TDs tied for third. And he's only got two picks, but he is playing in the Pac-12, six QBR. Um, so honestly, better than I thought. Not watching a lot of uh, 
uh, USC football, I might add, since that game. Um, but yeah, like Stroud again, like is is it just he's first in TDs and QBR. He's 18th in yards. That's where I think we kind of go back to that Ohio State offense being maybe a little more underwhelming than we thought. Only four picks on the I year. I think this though, always so. happens with the USC quarterbacks. Like they're just at the end of the day a better pro prospect than they are a college quarterback. Yeah. Like there is Meanwhile, there's a Drake weird May. there's a weird May. kind of allure that comes with USC quarterbacks. Like Matt Barkley and Sam it's, Darnold going it's, back to back. Uh, it's it was West like Coast well, yeah, quarterbacks in general. Yeah, yeah, true, it's just because they came from like Cal. They're like if they're like, associated like John, with John California. Elway. John Elway went to Stanford. Just the like, golden Andrew children. Andrew Luck went to Stanford. Tom, Tom, yeah. like Tom Brady is from California. Like it's just, just goes yeah, down and the they list. were just like even they wouldn't play well. I remember Matt Barkley when they were playing Notre Dame, and Matt Barkley was it's like horrible. They were treating him like he was actually Jesus Christ, and he had he would have like bad games consecutively and everyone would just ignore it. I mean, this is kind of what we're doing this year with Will Levis who looks terrible week in and week out. I, I, he has the least impressive, one of the least impressive top pro quarterback prospects I have seen since Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, who I was by all accounts, completely outspoken about that neither one of them would accomplish a fucking thing in the NFL. And I will, I will die on that Hill. Josh Rosen, biggest fraud, second biggest fraud, Sam Darnold and third biggest fraud might be Will Levis. I told everyone I was watching football with on Saturday that Vanderbilt outright was the play at about 11 o'clock Eastern time. I'm like, dude, I wish I was not in the state of Ohio that, it's it's just an absolute joke that they do not have legal sports betting. Regardless, I was preaching Vanderbilt money line to the heavens. I go, I love shitting on Will Levis because he never really shows me much. I get he's a tough kid and he's got the size. We talked about it in in the group chat. We were going back with all the tropes you just kind of throw out about a kid that is not really backing it up on the field. The big hands, he's got the frame, the football, the football. high motor. The high motor, the the feel for the game. His dad played at Rutgers in '83, like all that bullshit. And sister plays volleyball at Duke. That's like, <laughs> some random shit. Yeah, he comes from a, he comes from an athletic family. Athletic his, family. Yeah. His mom played oh, yeah, soccer. Take, take my money. Oh, yeah his his mom his mom played soccer at Virginia and won a national championship. So he's gonna be an All Pro quarterback. He's got Imagine. that winning DNA from his mother from the, <laughs> from the championship she won in Virginia. Give me a break. I don't, I never got the narrative of like being good in the NFL when you suck in college. It's like it's like it, do, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> yeah, it it, it actually gets remarkably harder. More than that, when though, like, I've hated the whole thing that like kids that are great in college, dudes love shitting on them for not that they're not going to be great in the pros. Like it's like, well, shut the fuck up. He's not playing NFL football right now. Like they're t- I remember at the end, Tim Tebow, his last year, dude, he is not going to make it in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. The same shit. It's like, he's not playing NFL football right now. And really yeah. no one thinks he's going to be fucking, you know, Aaron Rodgers in the leagues, but no one really thought he was going to be a game breaker in the NFL. 
but he is one of the greatest players to ever step onto a college football field. So let's appreciate that. It's backwards in both cases, you know, and then you get a guy like Will Levis, who, who I know he looked, he's looked very good at times, mainly last year. And it, but at each week, I feel like Mel Kuyper's moving him up and each week he starts looking <laughs> worse and worse. He's, he's like, he's, jump, he's jumping, he's jumping Bryce Young for number one overall. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine yeah. your NFL team drafts Will Levis in the top 10 or top five or whatever this year. And you look at next year's quarterback class and it's Quinn Ewers, Drake May and Caleb Williams <laughs> that you have to wait. You can, you can grab whoever in the top 10, you grab a tackle, grab whoever the fuck you want, some clown. And you got to wait one more one season, one more season of a, of a fucking, I don't know who sucks, Andy Dalton or some clown is your quarterback. And then you get your guy. But instead, instead, you're stuck with Will Levis as your future. Whoever takes by all him means, just, dude, prove me wrong. It's just Will. Ten, ten if you're years. listening, Will, prove me wrong. I hope you prove me yeah. wrong. You seem like a I hope, competitor and I hope a he's beast, winning, but listening. You're just. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's listening. I would die. If like, Will Levis was like, I, turn into this, this not, local podcast. Re- receipts go no, shit on me after after Will Levis wins. I ain't right back. I ain't right back at at Split Guest Pod. I ain't right back. He we somehow like get out of ESPN like next week. He throws eight touchdowns, and it's like he actually said he got his motivation from a podcast called Splitting Gaps. Actually, we have a quote from their host Chuck O'Kane here yeah. right now. Well, it's funny because that's basically what a lot of these guys say that like they were the top prospect their entire lives, played at a blue blood school and then got drafted. And then all they do is ask them about adversity. And they're just talking about like the adversity and overcoming adversity. It's like, what fucking adversity? You were they're in like, the Elite no, 11 when you were 14. The, yeah. They're you like, went... no, I've just been told I have good mechanics my whole life. And it's, and the, they're like, wait, well, what actually is the adversity you're referencing? And whole time the adversity was like some dickheads on some podcast saying that they weren't going to be shit. It's kind of like the rapper yeah. thing where it's like every single rapper that has ever rapped had just constant was constantly being told by their English teachers that they're going to fucking fail and die in life. It's always, it's always, like, that can't be true. That can't be true. Like you're telling me no teacher, like, teachers are shooting 0% from the field. Every kid that they say you're not going to be shit just hits the billboard top 100. Come on. But Will Levis, prove me wrong. That's all I got to say. At Will Levis. Let's see it. Prove me wrong. Who do they got this weekend? Let's get on that intern. (laughs) They have – oh, beautiful. They have Georgia. Uh, Heisman moment, Will? This could be his Heisman moment. This is what we live for. Will Levis, if – oh, shit, that was loud. Will Levis, if you're listening, if you go beat Georgia, I will buy your jersey tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow. I will buy your jersey on Sunday, and I will wear it every day for the rest of my life if you beat Georgia. I'll I'll one-up you. I will get a tattoo of his face on my butt if Will Levis beats Georgia. I got – I'm not offering anything if Will Levis (laughs) beats Georgia. But I was going to say, if that that game, the Kentucky's going to get the ball, and they're going to score on their first drive. And Mel Kuyper is just going to use that clip of why why he's going top five. Just the one. You see this against a great dog's defense. Like no, shut up, Mel. God. Well, this is just yeah, quickly. We went an hour and a half to, to to just stumble upon the 
ultimatum that about- Will Levis has to prove himself this week or he'll be an, an insurance <laughs> broker come five years from now. <laughs> no, he's going to work at Enterprise Rent-A-Car for sure. They love former athletes, and they give you the tools to be your, own, be your boss. own boss. 100%. Yeah. I love how we went from great quarterbacks to like, oh, you know who's fucking horrible? <laughs> on. We're going to need some exclusive coverage on the draft when Mel Kuyper is just like, ah, I love Will Levis. Dude, Will Levis' agent must mechanics. be pretty fucking good. He must be pretty good if he's convincing all these people. I want to know who his like, PR marketing director is because they somehow have convinced Mel Kuyper that he's good. And then once oh. you do that, you convince, like, the Panthers that he's good. <laughs> <laughs> Reeling after firing their coach. Just pick the worst quarterback. I could see it. 6'3", 231. All right. That's literally me. Okay. Truth I'm, be I'm, told. I, I am literally Will Levis, dude. <laughs> I haven't won a big game in college, and I'm about 6'3", 230. Okay? I can't wait right. till he falls We're the to same Tampa. prospect. He's going to, like, fall to Tampa, and then Brady's just going to, like, turn him into, like, that dude who was written off, and it's just now God. And we're just going to be like, well, fuck. We're going to be like, fuck. I'll, I promise, Will, us. I promise, Will, I will get you a job at my logistics, my freight brokerage. Um, Hell, I when will. This, I when this for foot- a staffing company. I got you, Will. <laughs> when I mean, this, I can uh, plug you. When this well, football if- thing doesn't work out, um, yeah. I got when you, it doesn't work out, you. he could be he could be our stack guy. Yes! Oh my god! <laughs> there it is. It all comes full circle. Let's go. Um, I'm, speaking of, I might just start calling people tomorrow and just being like, "Hey, I have a level one statistician off job offer for you <laughs> that that pays once a week, and it's going to be about ten dollars." Um, but pro, yeah, pro, you can be on a fun podcast. Proficient in, uh, proficient in Excel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Needed. Needed. That's a must. We're putting that in the must category. And you must uh, work around our pretty hostile schedule that does not know when the episode will be recorded until three hours before. So you got to, you got to spend, you got to 24 seven, be ready for the, uh, ready for the jump. Yeah. You need to be, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you're fired. You cannot. The, here's the one caveat about being our stats guy. You cannot have another job. You have to just constantly be on call for, for the pod. Your job is splitting gaps. All right? Just ha- just hammered. Yo, how big, what's Will Levis's hand size? Dude, yeah. let me know. Give it to me. Well, um, welcome back, boys. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we'll be back next week. We will for sure have some new teams, some new Heisman moments, perhaps. Some and, prepping uh, for rivalry week. Some, some, some new hijinks up. next week with <laughs> the three of us. <laughs> you know us. Going yeah. over the bells and whistles. All right, boys. Um, we'll be back next week.